Part two of our discussion of the fundamentalist law of chastity next on Polygamy, What Love Is This? This is part two of our discussion of a little booklet entitled The Law of Chastity, which is distributed by some polygamists. Karen Bradshaw, who is a former plural wife from the AUB Polygamy Group, is with us again as our guest co-host as we discuss the book. Welcome back, Karen. And this little book was distributed to you while you were a plural wife in the polygamy group, right? From my sister wife. From your sister wife. Mm -hmm. Okay. Did you read it? No. (laughs) No, I read the first couple pages, but Mm -hmm. I was not enthused about it. (laughs) <laughs> well, that's very interesting. I'm glad you didn't because you would have been less enthused, I think, if you'd read it through <laughs> and understood it. But welcome and thanks. Thanks again for coming and sharing. Uh, now, the, the true definition of chastity uh, means sexual purity, both intent and action. But the writer of this little booklet defines chastity as a female who's to be submissive to her husband. And if she's not, then she's committed fornication. And I think that's what my sister wife was really hoping for. Your submission, your complete submission to her husband. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Now, about the only place where sexual purity is described is in the preface of this little book. And in that, he exhorts the male and the female spouse to have sex only with a legal and lawful spouse. And that's about the only place in the whole book where it really mentions sexual purity. Now, this time, this is part two, we're going to discuss more of what this writer said and also what others in Mormonism have said about chastity. Did you just say that you're only supposed, that it says you can only have uh, sexual relations with your legal and lawful spouse? Mm -hmm. That's what it says? It says in the preface, yeah. Yeah, Okay. But that sets, that sets just, the, 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 the foundation for polygamy, too, because in polygamy, it's lawful to have more than one wife. It's not legal, but it is lawful. So they say the legal and lawful, mm-hmm. and, of course, lawful. That's how they, that's how they get around down. that. Right. Okay. Uh, now, this book was taken from another book called The Peacemaker, and the link on the screen uh, shows you where you can go on to the website and download a copy of The Peacemaker. And it's almost, there's more in The Peacemaker than there is in this little book. Uh, But that's where it was taken. If anybody wants to read it, you can read it for yourself. So I went into The Peacemaker because I downloaded it. I could count the words. And the word law and laws in The in the Peacemaker is used a total of 310 times. Oh my goodness. But in the New Testament, those two words are used only 214 times. The New Testament is 10 times bigger than this book is. So in and of itself, that's very bad news. For that reason alone, the book needs to be put in the fireplace. (laughs) Yes. Now, we say this because this is what God said about law. We read from Romans 10. Okay, so for they being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness have not submitted to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law, for righteousness to everyone who believes. So Jesus is the end of the law. He's got it 310 times in here, but Jesus is the end of the law for genuine believers because of his own personal righteousness. God said, no one will be declared righteous because he kept the law, any law. Faith and grace, Mm -hmm. 
are the objects in biblical salvation, not law-keeping. No one will keep all the laws all the time. They can't. And even if you break only one just once, you've broken it, you've blown it. You're a sinner and you need a Savior. And no law or anything you can do or not do will ever change that. When we place full faith for our eternal life in Jesus Christ alone, we are under grace. We are not under law. Read what Romans 6 says about that. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. There you go. We're not under <laughs> it's law. It's amazing. Yeah, isn't it? <laughs> isn't it? So if you're under law, you're not under grace. Like Orson Pratt this man's explanation shows great favoritism against the, the, uh, toward the male against the female. The evil in it is that they say God said and he didn't. A great example of favoritism is in this next quote. Yeah, and this is really nauseating. <laughs> Suppose a married man enticed a maid. This is not an offense against his wife, neither is it against the maid, but altogether in the maid's favor. It is not against the wife, for a man is not under the law of marriage to his wife in any sense whatsoever. Neither can he be put under the law of the woman. If he has addressed the maid without her father's consent, it is against her father for, for which the law of God expressly provides. And the wife has no concern or control over the matter. The wife cannot put away the husband for any cause. There you go. So he can seduce all the women he wants, and it's okay as long as the woman's father knows about it. Yep. <laughs> now, again, he's laying a foundation for polygamy because the man is not held accountable to sexual purity. He can pursue other women, but the woman is guilty. Yeah. Okay? She double is, standard. Double standard. <laughs> She's required to submit happily or she'll be guilty of fornication. Now, ladies in polygamy, we just want to say right here, don't believe this. This is not true. You can run from their control and their yes. ungodly laws. Get out and of you, there. Can, you can give us a call, either one of us a call. We'll help you. We'll answer questions. And we'll use the Word of God faithfully. Everything will be confidential. We have a toll-free number on the screen. If you want to give that call a number, everything that, that we talk about will be held in, in confidentiality. But we'd love to help you if you can. Because this stuff, if you're in polygamy, or even in the LDS Church, because they have a big chastity thing going, um, we will show you scriptures where grace and law are not uh, compatible. And then, after he says this about seducing the maid, he wrote, and I quote, God calls us to peace and purity and order and not to confusion. This is the object of the whole law, end quote. No, it's not the object of the whole law. That sounds good. Those are nice words. It sounds beautiful. But Jesus said love is the object of the whole law because love does no harm to anyone. And the man seducing the maid is not pursuing peace and purity anyway, is he? Oh, no. <laughs> the book, instead of being about, about chastity, uh, almost the entire text describes the domineering place that a man is supposed to have over his wife. And if she doesn't cheerfully submit at, as his property, then she's committed fornication. The that makes me so mad. <laughs> oh, no, I'm telling you. <laughs> and then the writer mixes law and grace all through the book, and he often turns his opinionated comments into some kind of law. But law and grace are as mixable as oil and water. Now, we want to quote yeah. from page 7 of the, the mother book, The Peacemaker. 
Okay, so if a woman be alienated in her heart, there is then a serious reason why she must be put away or divorced. Children begotten and born of this alienated woman are born of fornication in the spirit or mind. This is great injury to the minds of such children. It injures their intellectual powers and and disposition of mind. So oh. this this is where the <laughs> anger level starts going up because he's placed the woman's lack of obedience and calls it fornication, and then says that's the cause of birth defects in children, or or or, or, or mental illness, or mental illness, mm-hmm. or or even rebellion. They they just mm-hmm. don't s- stop threatening the woman. It's always her fault. Everything's always her fault, and that's how they control them. Now, some men in the Kingston polygamy group use that tool. There are a lot of birth defects in the Kingston group because of incest mm-hmm. uh, and, and generational incest. So there's a lot of birth defects that's going on. And when a baby is born with a defect, the wife is told it's her fault because she didn't submit to her husband and as she should have. So that birth defect is mm-hmm. her fault. And when she submits the way she should, she'll quit having defective children. Uh-huh. Now, most of this book contains quotes by early Mormon pioneer polygamists, uh, and we want to share some of them and then present what Orson Hyde, he was an early Mormon polygamist, what he sermonized about chastity within marriage. Some of it will knock you off your chair, so you need to strap in. Now, the first <laughs> quote we have is by Joseph Smith. <laughs> okay, so, I gave an address tending to do away with every evil and a th- and exhorting them to practice virtue and holiness before the Lord. I told them that the church had not received any permission from me to commit fornication, adultery, or any corrupt action, but my every word and action has been to the contrary. If a man commits adultery, he cannot receive the celestial kingdom of God. He married 11 women. we got to think, remember that. that. 11 women that were, yeah, that were married to other men. What's interesting about this is this was November of 1843 that he spoke this. And he died. He already married all of his 34 wives when he said that. And he died in June. And he he did not. Six months later. He did not practice virtue and holiness. As he said, he always did. He lied. Another quote uh, is by Parley P. Pratt from a sermon condemning female fornication and prostitution and how they need to stay pure. Yet Pratt stole another man's wife, married her as his plural wife, and was eventually shot and killed by her angry husband. Mm -hmm. Is there any such thing as practicing what you preach in Mormon (laughs) polygamy? Now, but we don't know that as as Mormons or polygamists, you you never know know all these stories. Mm -mm. They're all hidden. No. I talked to somebody the other day about Parley Pratt and and his uh, escapades, and I, it might have been you that we were having this discussion. I think it was. And mm-hmm. and you had Parley P. Pratt's a great, oh, honorable, wonderful, oh, holy yes. man. You didn't know the true story yeah. of his polygamy uh, and how he died. I, yeah, I listened to a lot of his quotes on bed rest once. There's like a whole bunch of them, mm-hmm. and I, yeah, they just raise him up like such a wonderful man. Yeah. <laughs> and he stole another man's wife and was shot for it. Now, Spencer Kimball, who is supposed to be an LDS prophet, said, quote, It is better to die in defending one's virtue than to, that, to live having lost it without a struggle. And I was taught that all my life. <laughs> That's what I was taught. My virtue was more important, it was more valuable than I was. I was taught that, too. You were taught that, too? Yeah. 
I think a lot, most people in Mormonism yeah. are still the, taught that. The guilt and shame of not being able to to hold to that standard was terrible. Mm, it it brings suicidal. Uh, that's their tools. Actions, guilt and shame yeah. is their tools they use. Mm-hmm. And, and and we challenge all of our viewers to find where God says that virtue is more important than life itself. In fact, the Bible says, choose life. In 1857, Mormon polygamist Orson Hyde gave a talk on chastity, and most of his comments are really quite revolting. His talk is entitled, A Higher Law of Chastity Within Marriage. Okay. Mm. <laughs> and it's from the Mormon Chronicle. The link's on the screen. You can find it and read the whole thing for yourself if you can handle it. We're just going to kind of sift through it and pick out a few things. So let's begin with the first quote. Okay, so I find a great spirit in men for getting more wives. I have heard that in this place there is not a girl knee-high to a grass or to a toad that is not engaged. I hear that they have gone in couples, triples, quadruples, and even sextuples to Salt Lake to be married. I have a few lessons to give to those sisters. We are married and to or sorry who are married and and those who contemplate being married i hope you will not be offended and if you are i am sure it will be those who are not pure in heart (laughs) (laughs) now that but that was to the sisters to any sisters who are offended at what he said it's your fault if you're offended because you're not pure in heart now, we, you know, this is really offensive, <laughs> what he says. <laughs> um, it's always put It's the how they manipulate you to be submissive. That's right. That's right. It's all your fault. And get along. That's the guilt. With him being promiscuous in marriage. So if you're offended about what he says, then, then you've got this guilt trip going, right? Oh, yeah. 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 Now, I- let's see how offended you get at what he says. But first, <laughs> he says, why is it? that our lives are not as long as the fathers that have gone before us. They could live to eight or nine hundred years. Will you give me the privilege to tell you the reason? Oh dear. The Lord has given us certain muscles and bones and ligaments, and there's nothing but what is necessary for the prolongation of our lives. Now, when the proper intercourse for the propagation of our species takes place between a man and a woman, the balance of his power of muscle, etc., goes to strengthen other parts of his system and thus gives him power over disease and enables him to prolong life. And when the man becomes prostrated by overindulgence and having given his strength to women, that's having sex, he becomes prostrated and is rendered liable to disease. Not only this, but the man who has given to great indulgence in this habit becomes weak in mind and debilitated in intellect, and his mind is feeble. He shouldn't be a polygamist then. <laughs> oh, my word. So if a man indulges in a lot of sex... He decreases his strength so much that he cannot live to be eight or nine hundred years old. That's what he said. But out of the same mouth, it's like you said, he endorses polygamy in which he has to have an inordinate amount of sex. (laughs) He said that the man with the Holy Ghost all the time could conquer death and live much longer lives because the Holy Ghost will restore the strength that he lost by having so much sex. But the Bible tells us that death came because of disobedience to God, not because of too much sex. 
And then, now, now if this offends you, I'm sorry, but this is, you can look it up and find it for yourself. And then Orson Hyde becomes a gynecologist. Would you? Oh, dear. <laughs> this is sad. Excuse us. If oh, we, if... anyway, this is what the book is, yeah, all these things are about. So, how often do we see cripples born in this world? And why is it that same are born with or as idiots. It is because the law of nature has been interfered with and they were not let alone in their mother's womb. In other words, she had sex words, when she was yeah. pregnant. <laughs> These laws have violated again and again, have been violated again and again, and because of this, many children have scarcely opened their eyes upon the world when they, they, they gasp and die. The laws of nature have been violated by their fathers, mothers, from the generation to another ge diseases, excuse me, from one generation to another diseases have been gathered or generated in the children by their parents and by their degeneracy, uh, degeneracy, degeneracy, sorry. And now instead of raising up a healthy progeny and a noble race, we raise a, a, a puny, puny set of helpless, scrubby children. We see many persons who are naturally addicted to lying, stealing, and drinking to excess. Who is the what or who is the cause of this? This sin was begotten in them by their parents. <laughs> yeah, Adam and so, Eve. <laughs> so. So the sin and degeneracy. Yeah. Now, remember, this is entitled The Law of Chastity in Marriage. So we're still talking about Mormon chastity. So the sin and the degeneracy of the children are a result of married couples having sex while the wife is pregnant. That's the bottom line of what he's saying here. He accused marriage couples of Ridiculous. sowing to the flesh when they do this. He said, <laughs> and how he knows this is beyond me. He said that only one out of 99 times that a couple has sex is it correctly done to propagate the species. How would he know that? Oh, my goodness. And, and who preaches like that from the pulpit anyway? That's what I don't understand. How crass to mm -hmm. go before the pulpit where we're supposed to preach the word of God and God's love and we get this kind of nonsense. Now, again... I mentioned, we mentioned before in, in, in part one about 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And he should have read that before he started on this diatribe because our creator inspired Paul to advise a husband and a wife not to deny the other partner sexual satisfaction and no qualification is given whether she's pregnant or not at no. all. His bizarre sermon continues, and sadly, most of today's polygamists and many LDS folks actually believe that having sex during pregnancy is wrong, that, and that's one reason that a man needs to be a polygamist so that he can have his sex without bothering his pregnant wives. <clears throat> exactly. But then he doesn't get to live eight or nine hundred years old. Okay. Now, Orson Hyde continues preaching about chastity within marriage. This is the next quote. <laughs> We find that the ancients took a wife and went into her, had sex, and, and she conceived, and then they let her alone. Their children were begotten in faith and purity, and their faith was transmitted to their children, and they grew up to reverence their parents. 
Now what is the person that, sorry, now what is the reason that man cannot govern their families? As long as you give your strength unto women, have sex, you never will do it. It is this practice that brings jealousy into your wives and grieves the Spirit of God. And the spirit of lust reigns in the family, and that spirit begets hatred and not love. It begets insubordination in the wife to her husband and in the children to their parents. So having sex during pregnancy does all that, all that horrible stuff, he says. How does he know it that? Does. How does he know <laughs> that? That's right. And then, believe it or not, <clears throat> he proceeds to explain somewhat graphically. The sexual reproductive habits of squash seeds and of monkeys and goats and even suggested that we could learn from some of those lower animals. He said that to abstain from sex during pregnancy would stop the devil and jealousies. Children would be born filled with the Holy Ghost and other statements that are equally dunderheaded. Of course, he calls them to repentance. <laughs> I call upon you to repent of these secret sins for they are a kind of murder. And if I stifle and crush the infant germ of my offspring by my unholy indulgence, sex during pregnancy, it is, it's really hard for me to read this. It is hard. <laughs> Sorry. Um, it is pretty nearly murder. In accident times, women rejoiced to bear a son and considered it an honor, and that son was never interfered with. He was un uninterrupted in his growth in the womb. I say to you, remember these things. Remember, you will be under condemnation if you continue in these things. And so with all of that said, when you're, in, you're married and you're with your husband during pregnancy, you feel so guilty. It's terrible. It's just traumatic. And imagine the emotions that go into your child because of that, because of all these crazy teachings. But having sex while you're pregnant does not cause a child to be born with degeneracy. It just doesn't. That's not the way it works. And that's but they what he's teach saying it. it does. They teach that it does. They yeah. teach that it does. So it that's just right. makes you go nuts. Yeah. Yeah. Again, it's that guilt. The mm -hmm. guilt and the shame that they use as tools. Manipulation for the women. Now, yeah. there's a lot more of this talk. Uh, that we could have chosen. We had to pick and choose. And again, you can go on the screen, the link on the screen, mormonchronicle.com, a higher law of chastity within marriage. And, yeah. and at the end, of, at the, end of the posts on, on web pages, you know, they have a place for comments. And one comment said this, quote, disgusting, that real marriages were actually damned by this stupid sermon. And yep. we agree. Real yeah. marriages were, probably. Oh, yes. Yeah. And so finally... Many. I've heard so many stories. To round out our discussion of Mormonism's idea of chastity, we did a search of metaphors that many have been used that have been used to teach chastity in Mormonism. We found some beauties, and the link is on the screen again. Uh, some I had heard before, and some I hadn't. So, what are some of the metaphors for virtue in the female? Okay, so these are used to shame a female who has lost her virtue before marriage. This is really sad. The shattered piece of china, the chewed piece of gum. I heard that one. Uh, the licked cupcake, the fence with nail, nails when removed leaves a hole. The old wedding dress, 
the chastity tree, and finally, the peeled banana. The idea begins that virginity, virtue, and chastity are once it is gone, it's gone forever. Okay, so uh, some I'd heard of those and some I haven't heard. Now these, of course, send the message that you're soiled, you're damaged goods, um, and there's no go there's no going back once you take the peel off the banana, it and can't it, be put back. It's usually the woman. They don't say that about the man. Very rarely. Very rarely do they. Uh, and, and they've applied, just as we've gone through this, and we've just barely covered the surface here, yeah. but they've applied layers and layers of requirements to their law of chastity. Indeed, uh, ideas a normal person would never even think about. Who would think about the stuff Orson Hyde preached, yeah, for heaven's crazy. sakes? But they do not uh, represent the biblical idea of chastity. And besides that, whether you've lost your virginity or not, and this applies to both male and female, the Bible teaches that Jesus Christ forgives every sin when and only when we're born again. And that born-again experience takes place only when a sinner confesses to God, not to a bishop, but to God alone, and receives Jesus Christ alone as his Lord and Savior, rejecting all religion and their laws, stopping all efforts uh, to try and earn God's favor, but trusting Jesus' work on the cross as payment for their eternal life. And then God says, we are a new creation in Christ. The old has gone, the new has come. In other words, he puts the peel back on the banana. And that is how the biblical law of chastity works. So, Yay. throw this in the garbage. <laughs> Do whatever, whatever you want. But, and, oh, and again, we just, yeah. we just peel back a layer of that onion, you know, and it, it, sometimes it makes yes. us cry. But <laughs> I, I'm, glad, I'm glad you shared that. And now we've done this, so. Yeah, thanks um, so much for thanks. doing this. This thank, is amazing that we could you, Karen, share. For, for sharing with this too. You know, the Romans 13.10 says, Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. How much harm has been done to women and children of polygamy? It can't even be measured. And Mormon polygamy has always been so secretive that it never could be measured. But we know that every law Mormonism requires is useless because God tells us that love is the fulfillment of the law. Love does no harms to others. And the harms that polygamy has caused proves it's not based on love, but on the commandments of men. What love is this? Jesus severely castigated the religious leaders because they set aside the commands of God and inserted their own commands instead. And that's exactly what polygamy groups and Mormonism have done. There is no law of chastity, no law of plural marriage. The only new and everlasting covenant is Jesus Christ's death on the cross so that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And we pray that polygamists everywhere would Stop trusting in polygamy and place full faith in Jesus Christ alone. Thank you for watching. This has been the audio podcast of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. Polygamy, What Love Is This? is produced by A Shield and Refuge Ministry. More information on this program, including the video version of it, can be found at whatloveisthis.tv. If you have any questions or need help getting free from Mormon fundamentalism, write us at contact at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 1-800-877-425-9993.